Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. I am excited to be kicking off a new series tonight, which we're calling Fruition, Bearing the Fruit of the Spirit. And tonight we're talking about how we can grow love, how we can produce love, how we can grow it in our lives. So just like you see fruit growing on a tree or in a bush, people will see love growing in and out of us. But let's think back to Christmas for a moment. Or as Leah joked with me last Tuesday while it was snowing again, I got a text from her on Tuesday morning saying, who would have thought that we could celebrate Easter and Christmas on the same weekend, only in Ontario? It reminds me of the time we even had to cancel our service here one night because there was an ice storm in the middle of April. And I had to make the call on a Saturday just before the ice storm hit, and I thought I was crazy. But sure enough, right at about 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock on Saturday, it came. But think about this at Christmas. We set up Christmas trees, real and fake. We decorate them with lights and colored ornaments, and they seem to come alive. They, They seem to warm up our rooms and light up the darkness of the season. But in a matter of weeks, we take it all down. We put the decorations back in their boxes. We put away the tree or perhaps throw out the tree. And what looked to be vibrant and alive one moment turns out to be artificial, packed up in a box or simply dead. And this is why I'm excited to begin our new series because last weekend we celebrated Easter. We celebrated the hope that we have in Jesus and the resurrection power that we have access to through the Holy Spirit. But I think the temptation is to dress ourselves in the fancy lights and the decorations which make us appear bright and shiny and even alive. But what's actually going on within us? What's happening when everything else is stripped away? So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 25. I'll have the screen, or I'll have the text up on the screen behind me and on the live stream as well. But if you have your Bibles with you or have a Bible app, turn there now so that you can be sure what I'm saying is what you're reading as well. So Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Galatia. You were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. 
I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I love the beginning of verse 13. You were called to be free. Again, this is what we celebrated last week at Easter, that Christ laid himself down as a sacrifice for us to set us free. We looked at the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11, where, when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, and he tells the others standing around to take off the grave clothes and let him go. He is free. Lazarus has been set free to live. And it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And when we embrace this and live in this newfound freedom, our lives will produce fruit. From the text, it's obvious how Paul contrasts the sinful nature or the flesh and the spirit. But did you catch the other key words he uses here? He calls them the acts of the sinful nature or works of the sinful nature and fruit of the Spirit. You have acts and you have fruit. So let's think about this in terms of Christmas trees and fruit trees again. Christmas trees may look incredible for a short time during the season, but then get packed away or thrown out. Fruit trees, while they might not look spectacular as a decorated Christmas tree, but if properly cared for, they will go on producing fruit year after year. One is a facade that we work hard to make look good, and the other is something that's only made possible by the breath of life, by spirit. And I don't know about you, but I often find reading that list to be a little frightening. It's kind of like, yikes, ouch, oof. Because as Paul is listing all of these things, and as we read through them, if you're like me, you probably see yourself in there. But let me encourage you. The Bible understands that we all start off in the same condition, with a sinful nature. We're all born into human families, into a fallen world. And as we grow up, we quickly discover all kinds of desires within ourselves which, if allowed full reign, would produce the acts listed in verses 19 to 21. But it's the second part of verse 21 that encourages me. Paul says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What does this mean? Well, I believe it means that if you struggle with any of these things, or if you've slipped up and have participated in any of these things, you're human. You're not damned. Jesus gets our struggle. He understands our passions, our desires, but he has made it possible to be set free from our sinful nature, set free from a life that will lead to destruction, set free for a life of love. 
You see, it's one thing to be set free, but it's another thing to decide what you're going to do with that freedom. I was sharing with our leadership team this past week about how I loved being the youngest sibling. It has its perks and benefits because growing up, you get away with everything. I had an older brother, three years older, and he was the trailblazer. He had to kind of battle through all the no's from mom and dad. But by the time it got to me, it's like, sure, Kev, go for it. Yes. So for me, I was given free access to my parents' car from the day I got my G2 license. They had left it at home for me, and they said, if you pass your test, you can come home and you can take it. And a car for a teenager who lives at home is the ultimate symbol of freedom. It was like, I am free to do what I want. But it's what I chose to do with that freedom that really mattered. I had the freedom to drive to school or I had the freedom to drive to the mall and play video games in the arcade. So let's just say my grade point average was 97% in grade 10 and 67% in grade 11. I think you know what I chose to do with my freedom. (laughs) But the verse says, those who live like this. You see, there's a difference between making a mistake, struggling with something, and living like this, choosing to live like this, continually living like this. And a quick look through the list that Paul writes, the acts of the sinful nature, reveal that if we actually lived this way, it would not be a happy place. It would not be a thriving place. You see, that's not what God desires for the world. He desires peace and harmony, goodness and wholeness. He desires love, not everyone just out for themselves, getting what they want. And this is why Paul reminds us in verse 13 and 14 to serve one another in love and love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, we are set free for love. N.T. Wright puts it this way, freedom from restraint, if it is to be of any use, must be matched by a sense of freedom for a particular purpose. In other words, we are set free from the acts of sinful nature and set free for loving God and loving one another. But now let's ask the obvious question, because if this is how we're wired from the beginning with a sinful nature, how do we live differently? Well, I'm glad you asked, because verse 16 says that we must live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Living by the Spirit means staying connected to Jesus. In John's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 15 and 16, Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Jesus promises that when we choose to follow him, place your trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. He makes his home within you to help you and guide you and empower you to live this new way of life. But it's not a one-time decision. It's not this like, oh yeah, I believe. Now I can keep on living the way I always did. 
That's what one of my youth leaders used to call fire insurance. He accepted Jesus because he just wanted the insurance that he wasn't going to hell. But it wasn't until later he realized that it's so much more than just a simple prayer and raising your hand. It's a, it's a way of life. We are called to live a new way of life, of following Jesus. Because then in John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying that he is the source of life. He is the true vine. And for us to come alive, to bear fruit, to live differently, to produce and grow love, we have to stay connected to Jesus. And when we stay connected to Jesus, you'll find yourself becoming more and more like Jesus. His humility will become your humility. His love will become your love and will flow through you. And it will become evident to those around you. This is probably a terrible comparison, but I'm going to share it because it just came to mind, so I'm going to run with it and say it's a nudging of the Spirit. But I was just reminded when I started my antidepressants because sometimes when you go through life and you go through a difficult season, you don't realize that it's getting difficult because it's just bit by bit just little by little. And it isn't until you wake up one day and you just can't go on. You just, it, there's, there's no hope, there's no meaning, it just seems dark. And then I finally reached this point where I'm like, I need help. So I talked to Amanda, I talked to my doctor, and I said, I, I need help. And oddly enough, this was November when I asked for help but I could actually trace it back to May when I really started noticing these things. But then when I started the medication and through counseling, again, I didn't notice any changes. I'm kind of like, okay, I'm talking through all my feelings. This is great, but is it doing anything? But it was my wife who noticed that, oh yeah, you're a different person than you were in November. And I don't know, just as I, was, as I was sharing this and what I have written here about staying connected with Jesus, sometimes we feel like, but is anything happening? Like, sure, we celebrated Easter and we tapped into resurrection power, but I don't know, like it felt like the same old Monday through Friday. It felt like the same old, same old. But I truly believe that when we stay connected to Jesus, when we lean in to his life-transforming power, and when we're filled with his spirit, we are changed. And it happens so subtly that we might not even notice it right away. But those around us will begin noticing. And they'll start saying, hey, this person is more loving. This, this person isn't flying off the handle like they once were. If you go to a vineyard this summer, notice how a branch doesn't try harder to produce grapes. It just simply needs to stay close connection with the vine. And that's you, that's me. 
There's so much life-changing power within Jesus, but what we have to do to be more like Jesus is to be with Jesus. And this isn't a secret. Jesus himself tells us that we must abide in him. We must remain in him, dwell in him. Just like the branches depend on the vine for their continued life, we must depend upon Jesus so that we can live life to the full. It's by staying connected to Jesus through his Holy Spirit and following his way of life, keeping in step with him, that we will become more like him and bear the fruit of the Spirit. We will begin to grow love. And I have just one last fun fact about the fruit of the Spirit before we wrap up for tonight. You'll notice that I'm not saying fruits with the S. And that's because in the original Greek, the word for fruit, karpos, is singular. And what does that mean? Well, some argue that what Paul is saying here is that the fruit of the Spirit is love. And that love is all of these things combined. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He's saying all of these things is a life of love. Now, throughout this series, we're going to go into each one of these and explore it more because they can be pieced apart. But I just love that imagery, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, and love is all of these things. Karpos, fruit, can also be translated as produce, returns, profits, and the result of. Friends, our mission here at The Well is to make Jesus known so that he will transform our lives and our communities. But it starts by being connected to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And as we remain in him and keep in step with the Spirit, we will see the results, the returns, the fruit of his Spirit at work in our lives and our communities. So what does spending time with Jesus look like? Well, it looks like setting aside time to talk to him like you would a friend. It looks like listening to him and paying attention to how he might be trying to get your attention. It's spending time reading your Bible. And I know that that one, for a lot of people, seems daunting, confusing. Where do I begin? There's so much. Well, if you don't know where to begin, download the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, go to bible.com slash app, and that will download right for your phone. But that has some great devotionals that will walk you through books of the Bible, through different topics. You could even do a read the Bible in a year plan, but that will help give you some structure and guidance. But spending time with Jesus is about involving him in every aspect of our lives. And it's not just an individual endeavor. It's not just the me and Jesus. It's a communal endeavor. It's praying for one another. It's making time for relationships and gathering together for worship. It's living into the purposes that he's called us to and has created us for. It's so many things. Spending time with Jesus is doing life with Jesus. It's not just tagging him onto our weekend, throwing up kind of a Hail Mary prayer as you're in a panic or wanting a good parking spot. Spending time with Jesus is about integrating him into every aspect of our lives, 
if we believe in him, his spirit lives in us and becomes part of our being. So don't confuse it with a to-do list. It's not about doing more. It's about being with Jesus. And we do this by surrendering to him daily, making him first in our lives and allowing him to lead us. It's accepting Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and allowing his spirit to fill you and give you the wisdom and the strength to do life with him. So how can we grow love? It's by staying connected to Jesus through his Holy Spirit. This is the only way we'll be able to produce a life of love that will last. So friends, have you been with Jesus lately? Let's spend some time with him this week. And I invite you now to just pray with me. And I'm actually going to ask, if you're able to stand, pray with me as we prepare to respond in worship. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son and the gift of your Holy Spirit that dwells within us and helps us dwell with you. God, show us what it means to abide with you this week, to spend time with you. Show us where we need to get back in step with your spirit. And perhaps repent of some of the acts of our sinful nature so that we can live a life of love that is marked by these fruits. God, I pray that you produce within us a spirit of love. And I pray that we see evidence of your power in our lives this week. In your name we pray. Amen.